Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we will be speaking with Rosa Campagnaro, who is a performer, writer, director and artistic director of Make a Scene Theatre, a Melbourne-based theatre company that produces comedia performances and workshops. We will be speaking about Commedia dell'arte. Rosa is also on the Drama Victoria Committee of Management, where she handles the portfolio of resources. You are listening to part one of the interview. Rosa and I spoke for half an hour all about Cavadia. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Welcome, Rosa Campagnaro. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we're talking Commedia today. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. One of my favourite topics, something that's very dear and near to my heart. How long have you been working with Commedia? Uh, I, since, I've, since I studied in Venice in 2003, so a little bit of time. What is Commedia dell'arte? What isn't it? It's, <laughs> uh, it's a, obviously a, a very traditional style of theatre that our company specialises in. Uh, it's a style of theatre that teachers need to or often are asked to teach in their curriculums. Uh, it can it can be a bit daunting because it's um, foreign and because of the use of masks and the apparent rules that go with the style. Um, but it's something I think that is really important for everyone, actors and theatre students to study at some point. Why should we study Commedia? I think uh, if we think about what Comedia uh, gives us, uh, we realise that it's really, 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 really fantastic actor training. Um, have you heard of Meryl Streep or Sasha Baron Cohen or Jeffrey Rush or a bunch of other um, amazing uh, artists? They have all studied Comedia uh, whether it's through Yale University. So Meryl Streep, I think, went to Yale. And at the drama school there, they study Comedia in their third year. So um, they give quite a bit of importance to the style. Uh, and Jeffrey Rush and Sasha Baron Cohen studied um, Jacques Lecoq technique. That, that particular training is really influenced by Comedia dell'arte. So it's a style that um, gives the actor the opportunity to learn how to use their voices, their bodies, to understand process, um, to understand character types and archetypes to know how to work as an ensemble, to know how to improvise, to devise. Um, they're, all, they're all really important for actor training. So that's one of the reasons we should study it. We should also study Comedia dell'arte because it's relevant for us. There's so many uh, links between the archetypes or the stock characters in Comedia dell'arte and with characters that we see in our everyday performances, theatre or TV or sitcoms. Would you like to do a little pop quiz, Nick? Sure, I'd love to. Excellent. So put your hands on hands on your imaginary buzzer, yes. and on the count of three, just give me um, like a buzz. One, two, three. Buzz. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, Nicholas, and let's see how you go. So there's lots of links between Comadre de stock characters and the stock characters we see in our everyday TV shows, for example. So right at the top of the food chain, if we're looking at the hierarchy of characters, we have Pantalone. There's also a female version called Pantalona. 
and uh, Pantaloni is um, a, a parody or a satire of a wealthy Venetian businessman. And he's rich and he's stingy and he's old. Um, who is this character or who is this character type in The Simpsons? Buzz. Mr. Burns. Correct. Very good. Okay, so there is a character called Il Capitano. He originally comes from Spain because the Italians didn't particularly like the Spanish, so they created this character to make fun of um, the Spanish uh, soldier and the Spanish military. So they made him um, narcissistic and um, incompetent and, uh, and a coward. So if we were looking at parallels between the modern world and contemporary examples of Capitano, who do you think Il Capitano is in the film Beauty and the Beast? Buzz. Gaston? Gaston, excellent. So they're, they're examples in, in sitcoms or films. Um, the pantalone type in our world today, if we were to sort of merge pantalone and capitano together, capitano is a bit of a bully. Um, pantalone is a rich, stingy uh, businessman who, who wants to exert his power over everybody and so does capitano. If we were to make links between the real world or the political world, who do you think might, that might be? A leader of a major country who is a businessman uh, and is cowardly. Yeah. No, I just can't think of anyone. I mean, no one's popping to I'm trying to think of someone in a large amount of power that a lot of people make fun of. I'm just, no, I'm drawing a blank here. So not only is comedy relevant because we're able to make links with our everyday TV shows and theatre, but also the world around us. And I always start my workshops with this chat because it's about making comedy relevant immediately to students and to the audience. The philosophy of our company is to make commedia contemporary and accessible and to kind of um, demystify mysteries <laughs> around commedia. What are some of the conventions of commedia? The most obvious one is the masks. The masks are um, incredibly um, exaggerated and grotesque. Traditionally, they're made from leather. Um, which is a practical thing, I guess, when an actor's performing. The leather masks are comfortable to wear. Um, also, um, the, the masks are exaggerated and um, um, over the top because the actors would have worn these um, traditionally outdoors and the performances would have been in what we call una piazza or an outdoor square, which would have been quite big. So the characters had to be easily and quickly recognised by the audience if they couldn't hear what the actors were saying, they could see. And that's the other reason why the gestures and the movements are also exaggerated because um, it's a way of telling the story without the audience hearing, maybe hearing the text. That's not to say that there isn't talking in commedia. I mean, come on, it's Italian. We're always talking and using our hands. That's not racist, it's true. So I can probably say that because I'm Italian. How has Commedia influenced other practitioners or the history of theatre? Many people. So um, uh, Moliere, Goldoni, Shakespeare, um, obviously the stock characters we, we see um, now in contemporary examples of those stock characters or archetypes. So I guess Commedia has influenced performance and film and character and story and comedy over the centuries. 
there was a period where it actually, I don't want to say died, but it disappeared for some time. So it was at its peak in the 16th century and then it kind of evolved. And in the 17th century, it evolved from an improvised theatre into a scripted theatre. So people like Carlo Goldoni and Carlo Gozzi um, came along and started scripting the improvised comedies. And in fact, they would get actors together and they would watch them uh, play and improvise and then they would script from that play and that improvisation. So then it disappeared for a while and then it came back uh, last century with uh, a man called Dario Fo and Jacques Lecoq was also instrumental in starting um, a theatre in Milan called Il Piccolo Teatro and their very first show was um, the Servant of Two Masters, which was a Gordoni classic. So they brought that one back and they continue to do that show every year. And they've been doing it for several years. What skills do we get from Commedia? So actors will train in Commedia dell'arte because uh, it gives you an opportunity to understand movement, um, gesture, and uh, obviously using that to create a character. Uh, when we create an exaggerated masked character, we look at a process, a process which can then be uh, used for any character development, I think. So, for example, if you're looking at the character of Adlerkino, the actor starts off by looking at the mask and looking at all the information that the mask gives you. And within the mask, there's often uh, animal traits and then those animal traits help the actor find an exaggerated physicality and movement. So, for example, the mask of Adelikino is a, a cheeky, free-spirited, playful, energetic, but also lazy servant. And, um, and an energetic, playful animal would be... You ready, Nick, with your pop quiz? Fun facts, I know the answer here is the, the monkey. Very good, the monkey. There's also a bit of cat in there. And depending on the mask or how that the mask maker has created that particular mask, you might find a mask with more cat features, in which case the actor would embody that. Um, or if it's more monkey-like, or maybe the eyes are quite wide, it might be more naive and playful. So there's lots of information on the mask to help you physically. Um, and with that particular mask, uh, like I said, it's the monkey and the cat. And um, that also influences the voice. So an actor starts to build a physicality in a voice that helps with that mask. So that's comedia related. But in terms of building any character, you do the same thing as you would um, approaching a Shakespeare or a Chekhov character. You would go through a process. And part of that process is to do your homework. And as part of the homework, you work out where does this character come from? Who are they? What do they want? And, um, and then that influences the mask as well and drives the character. So understanding objectives and motivations in a really simple way. Adelikino's always hungry. Sometimes he's distracted by his love interest, Colombina, but most of the time he's chasing food or chasing a job so he can get food, so he can get money and get food. Sometimes he'll just work for food. Um, so the motivations are really simple and it's a really great way of understanding process. So we look at um, yeah, the animals and how they influence their, their physicality and the voice and then we do our homework on that character as well. So that process you would apply, I think, 
to any character development. You don't necessarily have to have an exaggerated um, physicality and voice, but you can take the essence of that character maybe and then you just tone it down a bit and you've got a bit of, a bit of that playfulness in your body or in your voice. That was the end of part one of our interview with Rosa Campagnaro. If you would like to keep listening, please do, or you can go to our episode bank where you can find a whole range of episodes that might pique your interest. That's all from us at The Aside. If you would like to contact us, please do so at asidepodcast at outlook.com where you can ask us a question or give us some feedback. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here and to Aaron Sell for providing the music. And thank you for listening.